Welcome to His People's Church, our online service. It is a delight to have you here with us. And if we can just pray flowing out of our worship time, Jesus, we say thank you that you have given us the victory through your resurrection from the grave. We say that in you is all that we need. You're our life. You're our hope. You're our everything. We lift you up, Jesus. May we bring you glory, Jesus. Amen and amen. Welcome to church. And it is a delight to celebrate with you and to remember going forward what Jesus has done for us and what he has bought for us. And I'm just going to run through some announcements <clears throat> briefly. And uh, we will have sent these to you if you're on our church broadcast group. And the first is our online church feedback form. We sent this out yesterday morning. And we want to ask you uh, to fill that in and to submit it. Uh, we're giving the date of this coming Friday. And we want to ask that you help us to serve our community the best we can. And getting your feedback will really help us with that. So we'd like to give you a heads up about that. And then our second announcement is about Unite 714. And this is a prayer initiative that our Every Nation family around the world is uniting in prayer for spiritual awakening around the world in this time and for uh, the, the, the end to the coronavirus and its destruction, for protection and for God's intervention uh, in this time. And so we want to invite you to get involved, to to join us in Unite 714, which is to pray, set your alarms to 714 in the morning and 714 in the evening and stop where you are and pray and join us as a family to pray and to partner with God in the victory that he's got. And then number three, we want to say share our links. Invite people to join us. There are so many people that are needing hope, that are needing words of life. And so we encourage you to uh, share our links. And for more information, visit our website, which is uh, www.hispeoplepmb.coza. And uh, come to our website. We, we're uploading, putting things on there quite often. And it's to bless you and to help you. And as we go on, we want to declare uh, God's enabling and what we are believing God for. And in this time where this is a potentially an economic crisis as well, we want to declare God's blessing and what we're believing him for as we honor him with our tithes and offerings, with our finances. And so if you can stand with me right now, wherever you are, in, in our nation or elsewhere, and let's say this declaration together. So, Lord, as we give our tithes and offerings today, we are believing you for our nation to be transformed to reflect your glory. 
for poverty to be destroyed in our lives, communities, and society, for there to be no needy among us, our city to be a place of justice and abundance, favour on our businesses to create jobs, a platform to influence economic systems, for blessing creativity and the ability to create wealth, an army of lovers released to bring in the harvest, wholeness, holiness, health and prosperity, your glory and presence resting on us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And we uh, remind you, please, could all tithes and offerings, if you uh, see His People Church as your home church, that you uh, continue to give your tithes and offerings and deposit it directly into our church bank account. Uh, the details are below and uh, these announcements are also sent out with the links. And so we bless you as, as we go. And may I just pray, Father, we thank you that you would open people's hearts to hear your word this morning and that your blessing would rest on your people and on this nation and the nations of the world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen and amen. And so I welcome my wonderful husband as he preaches this morning to bring the word. I'm really looking forward to his word and that you would be totally blessed as you hear it. Amen. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's wonderful to bring the word to you this morning. It's always such a privilege to, to bring the word, such a delight to prepare the word. And I want to thank you and I just pray. I pray for all of us that our hearts would be open. And so, Lord, may our hearts be open to this word this morning in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, for all of us, Lord, I, I, I pray that your word would be alive. Lord, that your word would be sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, that it would pierce, Lord, the deep parts of our being, Lord. Lord, we, we say, shape us and mould us into your image by your word through the work of your Holy Spirit. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come this morning and just breathe on your word. May it be fresh manna for every single person this morning. Lord, you say your mercies are new every morning. We pray for new mercy upon your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to be speaking about communion. And I've got a little picture up there of a communion cup and, a, and it actually looked like a nice piece of bread uh, on my computer screen, but I must say it looks a bit um, interesting on this screen. Um, and the scripture reference is from 1 Corinthians 11, and uh, my name is, is Jacques, and I'm the pastor, senior pastor together with my wife of His People Church in Peter Marisburg, and we've, we have been, we planted this church 15 years ago, and it's such a delight to serve God in this capacity. And during this lockdown down period, one of the things that has been so delightful 
is just to see the resurgence of prayer. Uh, prayer meetings, prayer initiatives across across the world just springing up and, and God is reviving prayer. Uh, one of the words uh, we've, we've just had, prophetic words, was just that the Lord was resetting things. And resetting speaks about going back to basics, back to God's original intent. And prayer is so foundational. And, and just so many people's prayer lives have been invigorated, ignited in this time. And something else that the Lord has been doing is He has been reviving communion in so many people's hearts. Uh, we as a family, we've committed during this lockdown, we take communion every single day together uh, before or after a meal that we would have. And, and I just felt that this is something God is breathing on that I wanted to dig deeper. I wanted to break open the word regarding communion and, and that we could really experience the richness of what communion means. And I, I first want to start, I thought, let me share one or two testimonies. And, and these testimonies, I've been hearing these testimonies about what God has done in people's lives through communion. And the first testimony I want to share is a story I read of uh, a Dr. Miller who spent 20 years researching the power of communion. And Dr. Miller was interviewed by Sid Roth. And in this interview, he shared a story of how he had a friend who had been in a car accident and he'd, he'd damaged, um, because of the car accident, his peripheral vision. And so he could see ahead, but he couldn't see around him. And he shared this with his friend, Dr. Miller. And, the, and Dr. Miller was sharing just a power of communion. And, and, and they decided, after a long night chatting, they decided, well, let's not talk about it. Let's do it. And so they actually took communion. And, and the, the Dr. Miller shares that while his friend was having communion, having the bread and, and, and drinking from the cup, that while he was partaking communion, he could literally, his, his, his eyes just shook and his peripheral vision returned. He received healing while he was having communion. And another very interesting story, Benny Johnson, Bill Johnson's wife, uh, she shares a story about a friend of hers who had, had to take medication because she had, uh, had been having seizures. And this medication, um, she'd been on it for many years. Um, uh, Benny said, I think it was about 30 years she'd been on this medication. She was really tired of taking this medication. Many times over the years, she tried to wean herself off the medication. The seizures would return. Uh, she tried to uh, get uh, the doctor's assistance to, to wean off the medication. And it just, it never, it never worked. So she kind of resigned herself to the fact that, okay, in these pills, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just keep going on. Until a friend of hers, um, spoke to her and said, because she, she really didn't like taking pills, she said, instead of just viewing it as taking pills, she said, why don't you see it as a time to actually enjoy communion with the Lord? And she said, why don't you, when you take those pills, consider the body of Jesus broken for us? And when you take that water to drink the pills with it, consider the blood of Jesus and the blood of the new covenant. And it was such a fresh idea uh, to this lady. She was quite excited to take her pills. And, and she came on doing that for about six months. And, and the story goes that 
one night she again had communion with a pills and a water and just just focusing on Jesus and what he did for, for us at the cross. And the next morning she realized um, that the, the, the next morning she actually sensed the Lord saying that it's time. And she just knew that it was time for her to actually go off, off the medication. And so she prayerfully and carefully did this. Now again, I'm not recommending anybody go off medication, consult your doctor. But this is just the, her test me. And the test me is that after six months of taking communion, she was actually able to go off the medication after being on it for 30 years. And she hasn't needed it since. She was totally healed. And just another, another testimony of God doing a miracle in a person's life through communion. And so, let's look at this, this, this sac sacrament of communion. And um, we'll go to the scripture 1 Corinthians 11. Let's start off there and let's look at it. Let's read it together. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. It's in Corinthians, so this is the Apostle Paul writing and he's speaking these words. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Scripture goes on, verse 25 says, In the same manner, he also took the cup, and after supper, saying, This cup, is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And there's so much in the scripture. And I'm just going to highlight a couple of points in the scripture. And, and we're going to look at it. And then we're actually going to have communion together. So let's start off in verse 23. I just want to highlight that it says on the same night in which he was betrayed. This night they were actually having the Passover together. And uh, together with the disciples, as it was common in Hebrew culture and tradition, they were celebrating the Passover together. And, and we've also, just as a Christian family, done a modified Christian Passover this year. And there's just such rich symbolism in the Passover. And I encourage you, the stories found in the book of Exodus, just to read that amazing story of God's protection and deliverance for his people um, from, a, from, from a very trying time. Which there are many, many similarities with, with which the, 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 the challenges we face today. So they're having Passover, the, Jesus and his disciples. And just before... He has communion and he institutes the first communion on the night that he's betrayed. Before, he's, before, before he actually does the communion is the time where he actually tells his disciples one of you is going to betray me. And they'll ask him, Lord, who is it? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And then Jesus says something quite, quite astounding. He said, he who dipped his hand in the bowl together with me is the one who will betray me. And he was talking about Judas. And Judas said, is it me, Lord? And the Lord confirmed to Judas that it would be him. Then Jesus goes right into communion. And, and this word betrayed 
is one of those words you can easily, easily gloss over and just move on. You know the story, Judas pretended to kiss Jesus and the, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers came and grabbed him and that was the betrayal. And, and, and I think sometimes we can, we can miss just the depth of what some words can mean. And so I, I kind of paused at this word. And I went and I, and I went to a dictionary and I just said, what, what does this mean? And I've got a definition up here. And, and let's just read it. What does it mean to betray? To deliver into the hands of an enemy by treachery or fraud. In violation of trust. To prove faithless or treacherous to one who trusts. To be false. To deceive or mislead. To violate the confidence of, to lead astray, to seduce, and then abandon. Strong words. And reality is the side of eternity. We'll all experience different levels of this. But Jesus was in the midst of experiencing this when he instituted communion, the Lord's Supper. Or Eucharist, as some people call it. And it's so important just to, to understand the context. That Jesus was in a huge trial. He's about to go to Calvary. And he's being betrayed by Judas. And it's in the midst of this fire, of this trial, that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And for me, it was just so interesting that in this time, across the world, it's a trying time, it's a hard time. It, it's amazing how people are going back to communion. And there's so much healing and there's so much virtue that flows from this simple act of having communion. That Christians have experienced such healing, such comfort through the simple act of communion for so many centuries. And today is no different. And so, when, it was, when, I, when I, I asked my wife to read this, she, her first response was this. She said, that sounds like the enemy. That sounds, this kind of sounds how the devil wants to deal with us. And I was like, sure, honey, you know, that's so true. This would be a very typical job description, the job description of how the enemy wants to deal with us. But, I was thinking of this, and we were actually talking about this. When I, when I brought the word two weeks ago, I spoke about the 21-day gift, speaking about this time of lockdown. And, and what I was, what I was, one of the points I made during that time is that God is going to reveal idols in our lives in this time. And I, somebody sent me an Instagram post by a guy called Hulk Hogan. And I, and I want to just put up what he said, because he just kind of said it quite interestingly. And I went to check it out. Um, he, I don't really know this guy, but he was quite a famous professional wrestler for many years. He's quite an old guy now. But he's a, he's a committed Christian, and I, this, this quote by him, I did go and check it out, confirmed he did say it. And he's standing here praying, in this picture of a wall, and on the wall is written, I am that I am, not to be by him. Those are the very famous words the Lord spoke to Moses. And, and Hulk Hogan 
posted on his Instagram a comment about. He said, in the last three months, the things that we have been worshipping, for example, he mentioned sports stars. He said, we worship sports stars, but all the sports stadiums are closed today. Some of us, we worship singers, but all the concert tours and concerts have been cancelled today. Some people idolize and worship um, those who act are in drama. All the theatres across the world are closed. Some people idolize and worship money. The economies across the world have been shut down and stock markets have fallen across the board. And, 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 and this guy, Hulk Hogan, he, he made an interesting thing as well. He said, and churches across the world are also closed. And he said, for those of for those of you who now want to go to church, you can't go because the churches are closed. And he went on to say this. See this, and I put it on the screen. He said, maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters, Jesus. And I thought he just, he just put it so nicely where he spoke about all these things that people worship. It's closed, it's closed. But we can still have time with Jesus. And, and this is just bringing back to, 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 to my point about and when Jen and I were talking, you know, if we make anything but, but Jesus the object of our worship, ultimately we will experience betrayal. We will feel betrayal. There's only one person on the planet that will never betray us, and that is Jesus. And the reality is many people, as their idols are letting them down, could very well be experiencing a deep sense of betrayal, a deep sense of being disappointed, of being deeply let down by things they put their trust in. But this is a deep time where the Lord is calling us back to himself. And it was in such a time of betrayal that Jesus instituted the communion. And so, let's look at it. Verse 24, the very next thing, it says, on the night he was betrayed, it says the very next thing, when he had given thanks. This is amazing to me. Jesus has just spoken to his betrayer. He knows what's coming. But even in that very difficult situation, he gives thanks. And I, I, cannot, I can honestly testify that giving thanks in some of the tough times that I've been through in, in the many years I've, I've been serving God has just been a breath of fresh air, has been such a source, source of life and refreshing, and just lifted my eyes. I remember, I remember hearing a story about two guys. They both in a prison cell, and it's and they're both looking out the same prison window. And the one guy looks down. It's been raining, and he looks at the mud. He's moaning about the mud. The other guy is looking out the same prison cell. He looks up. He sees the stars, and he gives thanks to God for the stars. Two people in the same circumstances. One moaning about his circumstances. The other one finding something to give thanks for. 
and their countenance was just so different. This verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God, Paul writes over here. This is the will of God to give thanks in all circumstances. And I remember years ago, a good friend of mine pointed out that Paul didn't say give thanks for all circumstances. In reality, there's stuff going around today that I can't give thanks for. But I can give thanks in circumstances. A little story just to that I thought of when our when our first daughter was born 23 years ago. The doctor that um, um, we uh, went to to oversee the birth, um, we took her to him a couple of weeks after after the birth. And he did an examination on this little baby, beautiful little baby girl. And he was a Christian doctor, and he was an elderly doctor. When I say elderly, <laughs> then I thought he was elderly, late 50s. Now I think he was quite young. Um, and he, he was marveling at just how beautiful this little baby was. And I was surprised that he was just so, he was commenting on just how beautiful, how perfect she was. And I asked him, I said, Doctor, why, why you, you, give, you see hundreds of babies. You've, you've overseen the birth of many, many babies. How can you still give thanks? And he, he, he made a very interesting comment. He said, if you know how many things can go wrong, you will understand why I give thanks when, when things go, go well. And again, it was just that perspective. He was praising God and he was just so thankful for this beautiful little girl. We all have something to give thanks for. Jesus, the Bible says, before he served communion, he gave thanks. It is such a key. It's such a key. And I want to invite you, before you have communion, give thanks. Find something to give thanks to the Lord for. Next point I want to make, make is he took bread, he broke it, and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. The word broke and broken were the two words that jumped out at me when I was looking at this. And, and it's, the, it's, it's, it's the act that Jesus does with the bread. He took some bread and he broke it. And I believe he was very intentional in actually breaking it. And this concept of, of the bread breaking, and when you have communion, when you take the bread and you put it in your mouth, and you chew it. You're breaking it further. And, and it says, this is my body which is broken for you. There was a breaking that had happened in Jesus' body. But what's the significance of this? Again, I thought, let me do a, a little word study. And I'm going to put up here a definition of what is brokenness. Now, this is not just physical, a physical item. This is all, also talking about internal brokenness, which I believe is, is actually the greatest brokenness that, that anybody can face. Broken means to be fragmented, ruptured, completely defeated, dispirited, shattered, destroyed, violated, breached, malfunctioning, out of order, destitute, impoverished, overpowered, unbalanced, non-functional, disconnected, bankrupt, etc. 
Wow, that's a mouthful. There's a lot of there's a lot of brokenness here. There's a lot of pain in those words. And for me, when I read that, it just tied in to 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 the word betrayed on the night he was betrayed. And yet he's talking about brokenness. And folks, I have found that as you have communion and we remember the brokenness that Jesus experienced, not just physical, yes, physically, his body, his hands, his feet, his side, he was physically, his body was physically broken. But there was all of this stuff is what happened to Jesus when he hung on the cross. And when we actually remember that brokenness, now I hope none of us have to experience all of this ever in our lives. But some of us will, because Jesus said, in this world you will experience trouble, but I have overcome the world. We will experience this stuff. Where do we go with it? What do we do with it? What do we go? And what do we do with the betrayal that inevitably we face as we live in a broken world? Folks, we go to the cross. We have communion and we remember his that he was broken on our behalf. And we take our brokenness, this stuff, some of you identify with these words, and we take these words, which are reality, and we give it to Jesus. And I was so convicted. There was an area in my life where I just recognized I had some brokenness. And the Lord challenged me. He said, if you don't give it to me, you are saying that what I did at the cross is not good enough for you. If you keep any of this brokenness in yourself, if you keep your pain to yourself, you were saying what I did was not necessary. And I was so convicted that I was actually denying the cross its power by holding on to my brokenness and not giving it to the Lord. And in communion, I have been able to release these things to the Lord and recognize, Jesus, you took these things at Calvary. Your body was broken. You took these things that I can be free, that I can be healed. Healing flows through the cross and communion because Jesus took our brokenness. Sometimes we just need to recognize. I know there's often a lot of denial about some of this stuff. But we will come honestly to a communion table and bring our brokenness and give it to Jesus. We will experience his healing. Next point I want to make is that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. In verse 24, after, uh, after breaking the bread, he said, do this in remembrance of me. In verse 25, it says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The phrase, in remembrance of me is repeated in the communion. And and when I was reading it and when I was just studying the scripture, I've I've always known the word remembrance is there. Because <laughs> the reality is, man, we are forgetful as human beings. Uh, time and time again in the old text, the Lord tells them, remember, remember, remember. It recurs hundreds of times. Remember, remember. And absolutely we remember Calvary, remember what Jesus did. But I was quite struck by this, the, the word remembrance of me. Jesus asked us to remember him. 
And I just want to say, you know, as his people, we're part of the Every Nation network of churches and ministries across the world. And as part of that network, we seek to build churches that are Christ-centered. When this says, remembrance of me, for me, it's Jesus, you're the center. Even as that quote by Hulk Hogan said, it's a time to seek Jesus. It's remembrance of me, it's remembrance of Jesus. And when you say remembrance of Jesus, who is he to you? What is he to you? Maybe the aspects of his nature and character that you want to remember. Maybe it is what he did at the cross of Calvary. But remembrance of me, there is so much remembrance. Who knows what the Holy Spirit will lay on your heart to remember? What, what, what dimension of our majestic, wonderful Jesus does he want you to remember? I'll, I'll trust the Lord to show you as you have communion, as we have communion a little bit later. Next point I want to make is it says, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And the word new covenant, those two words, the two words I just want to, I just want to focus on a little bit. And it's so important for us to realize that the, 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 what we are talking about here is not Old Covenant stuff. Yes, this happened at a Passover dinner. That Jesus instituted a new covenant meal. And, and when I was reading, I was like, which of these two words are more important? The word new or the word covenant. And I'm actually not sure which one. And I want to just emphasize that what Jesus institutes through the cross, this word new, is so radically different from how God related to his people, the people of God, in the Old Testament. New Testament believers and the new covenant is just so different. And, and we can spend days just unpacking exactly what that is. But the word covenant, I want to just, just say, years ago I heard a teaching on covenant. And for many years, whenever I had communion, and I would hear this, this word, new covenant, when I heard the word covenant, it just triggered in me such delight. Because when you understand covenant, a covenant is a solemn agreement between two parties. And in the Bible, there are many examples of covenant. And God actually entered into a covenant with Abram in the book of Genesis. And we go read it. The Lord, the Lord, the significant thing about this covenant is when they used to cut covenant, they would take an animal, cut it in half, and both parties would walk around it in a figure of eight. When God cut covenant with Abram, he walked. Between, between the animals. And the significant thing is that he was pointing towards what Jesus did. Jesus did everything to fulfill a covenant with us. And he, 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 he fulfilled it all. And in him saying that, he's saying, for this covenant to work, it is my responsibility. Our job is to surrender to him and 
and, and put our faith and our trust in him and all the blessings of covenant is are ours because of what he did at the cross of Calvary. Next point I want to make is that the word says my blood. And when in Bible times they used to talk about covenant, the most solemn covenant you could make was actually a blood covenant. The one I spoke about where an animal would be would be cut. And the blood in the covenant would actually ratify or, or seal the covenant or the, or the agreement that two parties were making. And the Bible says, and Jesus said, that this covenant would be ratified by his blood. When he spoke this, I'm sure the disciples didn't know. They didn't know Calvary was coming. They didn't know what he was talking about. But I, I believe one of, one of the most powerful weapons in our, in our arsenal, our spiritual arsenal, as, as, as believers, is the blood of Jesus. Me and my family, we will pray often. And when we pray, we will plead the blood of Jesus over us. And there is amazing uh, protection in the blood of Jesus. There's amazing power in the blood of Jesus. It's one of those topics where I saw, I saw those words and I was like, sure Lord, I, I can go off there, but I'm not going to. There's power in the blood. And this covenant that Jesus is talking about flows and is ratified by his blood. And then, I want to say this, finally, it says in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Folks, communion is a proclamation. When you proclaim things, in the old days, I heard that they didn't have you, you know, various media outlets and they would have a town crier and the town crier would literally walk around town and he would have like a megaphone and he would make proclamations, he would declare the news and it would be loud and everybody would be able to hear him. So interesting that the Lord says that when you have communion, you're making a proclamation. You could be in your room, just you, quietly having communion with the Lord, but the Bible says it's a proclamation. It's a proclamation to the heavenlies. It's a proclamation into the spiritual realm about what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary and the victory that he bought for you and for me. And so, in conclusion, just looking at various aspects of communion, I want to invite you right now to have communion with us, to enter into uh, just the delight of communion. And as we have communion, I want to I wanna ask you to just ask the Lord to highlight one, maybe two aspects of the scripture that we've looked at this morning. And just focus on one or two. And maybe, maybe as you're having communion, there's an aspect of healing that you're trusting God for. Maybe physical healing in your body. Maybe healing in your soul. Whatever area. Jesus was broken that we can be whole. Jesus was broken so we can be healed. And it is ratified by a new covenant. A covenant where he is 100% faithful to fulfill the terms of the covenant. So I'm going to ask my lovely wife to just come and 
to, to, for us to have communion together. And as we have communion together, I want to ask you that you also get your communion elements and let us have communion together. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Broke it. And he said, This, my body, is my blood. Thank you, Lord. You were broken. Healed, and you can be whole, Lord. And Jesus took the cup and he said, Drink this cup. It is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance. Jesus, we remember you. And Lord, as we as we drink, Lord, we do a proclamation. We proclaim your death into your tomb, Lord. We proclaim the victory of the cross, Lord. Lord, we declare to the heavenlies that we are yours, Lord. And that we are in covenant with you. You're a faithful, covenant-keeping God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray for you. So, Lord Jesus, Lord, I want to plead the blood of Jesus, your blood, over every single person who heard the word this morning, Lord. And Lord, just as the blood at the Passover was a symbol that these people were your people, Lord, as we've we've had communion and this cup symbolizing your blood, Lord, we are marred. As your people. And Lord, I thank you. There's a divine protection over every single one of us, Lord. We walk in divine protection, Lord. With a faithful, covenant-keeping God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.